Jeremiah chapter 9. Jeremiah chapter 9. Thank you, Father. Verse 23. Thus says the Lord, Let not the wise man glory in his wisdom. Let not the mighty man glory in his might. Nor let the rich man glory in his riches. But let him who glories glory in this, that he understands and knows me, that I am the Lord, exercising loving kindness, judgment, and righteousness in the earth. For in these I delight, says the Lord. Thank you, Father. Lord, we just ask this morning that as your word goes forth, that it would edify, encourage, cut, build up, strengthen. God, do your work in our hearts through your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Praise God. Earlier this week, I was talking with the Lord about, about what to preach, and I wanted to preach something that uh, would be encouraging, I, and, and I'm, it's going to be encouraging, but specifically uh, a how-to. Uh, I wanted to preach uh, a message along the lines of how to strengthen yourself in the Lord, and, and so uh, how to edify, and, I, and so that's the kind of message that I wanted to bring this morning, and I felt the Lord put it on my heart that what I needed to do this morning is glorify Jesus, is to preach Jesus, amen? It, because a, a lot of times what we need to do is not necessarily a, a how-to, but it, it's just a redirection of what our eyes are focused on. And so what we're looking at is not self or how to fix something down here on earth, but we sometimes just need to lift up our eyes a little bit higher, not to so that we don't see what's happening in, in our situation in, in the earth, but we're focused on Jesus, amen, because Jesus is good, amen, Jesus is merciful, Jesus is loving kindness, he's all powerful, we get our eyes on Jesus and we get our eyes off of our stuff, and sometimes, you know what happens, our stuff just kind of melts away, amen, and so Paul, when, when he preached, he did not preach, well, here is three steps to, I'm spitting everywhere, three steps to fix the situation that you're in, three steps on how to get wealthier, Three steps on how to overcome poverty. Three steps on how to this or how to that. He didn't preach those kinds of messages. He exalted Jesus and he preached the gospel. And when people got right with God, all those other things began to straighten out. It's why Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added to you. Oh, praise God. I feel the anointing this morning. 
And so he was saying, refocus your life not on your own kingdom, but on God's kingdom. Refocus your life not on your own self, but on his self. Hallelujah. And when you do that, everything else will be added to you. What do you want, church? Do you want do you want merely the gift that God has, or do you want the God that gives the gift? Hallelujah. I want the gift. I want everything that he's got for me, but more than those things, I want him. Hallelujah. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. And so we've come and we prayed for healing. I want healing. I'm up here wrestling with a, a hip right now. In fact, it feels better than it has all morning right now. Hallelujah. Uh, um, I'm, I want healing, but more than healing, do you know who I want? I want the healer. Hallelujah. Uh, we need provision, uh, but, but more than the provision, I want the provider. Hallelujah. And so we're going to get our eyes on him this morning. This passage in Jeremiah chapter 9 that I just read um, is quoted by Paul in the New Testament. And I would like to go to the New Testament uh, where it is quoted in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. 1 Corinthians chapter 1. And so turn there with me uh, to 1 Corinthians chapter 1, and we're going to be, begin reading in verse 18. And we're going to talk this morning about Jesus and the cross that he bore. In verse 18, uh, Paul says this, for the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. That's not Jeremiah 9. That's Isaiah chapter 29 that, that uh, Paul quotes there. We're getting to the Jeremiah passage in just a moment. Where is the wise, Paul asked. Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world through its wisdom did not know God, it pleased God through the foolishness of the message preached to save those who believe. For Jews request a sign, Greeks seek after wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified. To the Jews, a stumbling block. They were looking for a Messiah that would come and deliver them from Rome, not, being a, not be a suffering servant. Not, they, they weren't looking to Isaiah 53. They were looking for the deliverance that would come prophesied through Daniel. So the cross, Christ crucified a stumbling block to the Jews. And to the Greeks, foolishness. They had places in the, in the Greek culture where people would stand up and just speak and they would orate. And they would share their version of wisdom. And so they sought after their version of wisdom all the time. Why should Greeks care about a Jewish man named Jesus that, that was crucified for sin? But to those who are called... 
both Jews and Greeks, Christ is the power of God and the wisdom of God. That's who he is. Praise the Lord. Jesus is everything. Jesus is everything. He's our all in all. Verse 25. Because the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. For you see your calling, brethren, that not many wise according to the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. And most of Paul's converts were the, were the same as today. They did not come from the upper echelons of society. He did win a few. There were some in the very household of Caesar in the palace that he won to the Lord, but very few comparatively. Most of the people were not uh, famous and they were not powerful and they were not wealthy and they were not educated. Not many noble are called, he says. But I love this. God has chosen the foolish things of the world to put to shame the wise. And God has chosen the weak things of the world to put to shame the things which are mighty. Hallelujah. And the base things of the world and the things which are despised, God has chosen. And the things which are not to bring to nothing the things that are. This is awesome. As I'm reading this, I'm thinking about the day of Pentecost. These uneducated people, for the most part, there were a few that were educated that were up there, but for the most part, they were not. And here they are speaking languages. God gave them Holy Spirit languages. In that case, many of them were actual other languages. And they said, aren't these people just normal normal, uh, Jewish people, uneducated? How is it that all of us who speak different languages are hearing our languages come from that crowd? God chose the foolish things to astound the the wise, amen? And then later on, uh, the apostles are performing all these miracles and they're brought before the Sanhedrin and they they were ordinary, these apostles, they were ordinary men. Their, Their education for the most part was not past age 12, they weren't chosen to, to go on in the rabbinical schools. They just, but here's what they took note, that they had been with Jesus. That's what they took note at. And so, and so Jesus made all the difference to bring to nothing the things that are. And, and so it's all about, it's all about action. Um, these things that nullify are the deeds that we do. And so they did a deed. Silver and gold have I none, but such I have. I give to you in the name of Jesus Christ, rise up and walk. And they did a deed. They gave that which they had to this man. And in the power of Jesus, he was raised up and he was healed. Hallelujah. These are the deeds that we do. It takes a fool for Christ who is willing to do a deed for Christ that will shame the wise. It takes a fool for Christ that is willing to do a deed for Christ that will shame the mighty. Hallelujah. It takes a fool for Christ 
to do a deed for Christ that will bring to nothing those things that are. Deeds done. Praise the Lord. And why does God do this, verse 29? That no flesh should glory in his presence. No flesh should glory in his presence. But of him, you are in Christ Jesus. In Christ Jesus, who became for us wisdom from God and righteousness and sanctification and redemption. That, as it is written, there it is. Let him who glories, let him glory in the Lord. Let him who boasts, let him boast in the Lord. Those who are fools for Christ are not fools in the eyes of God. They are foolish in the eyes of the world. People see your tax return or your numbers. They say, you, you gave what percentage of your income to the church? They think you're a fool. Right? They don't see, they don't see the wisdom of God that because I surrendered that to to Jesus that he opened up the floodgates of heaven over me and he provided for me everything that I needed. Hallelujah. You're foolish in the eyes of the world, but you're not foolish in the eyes of God. You're walking in wisdom. Hallelujah. You've become the wisdom of God. And so that's the choice that we have. Am I going to be the wisdom of God or the wisdom of the world? Do I want to be wise in God's eyes or the world's? And Paul goes on. Before I, in fact, the longest part of my message this morning is going to be the reading of his word. So let's just continue to honor it this morning as we read the first part of chapter 2. And I, brethren... When I came to you, did not come with excellence of speech or of human wisdom declaring to you the testimony of God. For I determined to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. And my speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power that your faith should not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Hallelujah. And I love apologetics. I'm all for apologetics. We need to learn why we believe what we believe. We need to be able to give an answer to everybody that asks. Amen? And, and so, you know, there are things that we don't know that we can know, and so those things that we can know, we should know, right? 
And so uh, we, we, we love to be able to say, hey, uh, look at real science. God is in it. That's pretty awesome. And so we love, we love apologetics. But friends, l- listen, if, you argue, if somebody can be argued by your intellect into the kingdom of God, guess what else? They can be argued by somebody else's intellect out of the kingdom of God. That's the truth. Because humanly speaking, there are a whole lot more people that are smarter than me. You don't have to go very far to find somebody that's smarter than me on a human level. Take take Christianity out of it. I cannot go toe-to-toe with some people because they're smarter than me. And so talking with somebody smarter, if that will lead you in or out, then that's the foundation of, of your life. But if you came to Christ because you realize that he's real and you saw his power at work in your life. One of the ladies that we baptized recently said, I said, how did you come to Christ? And she said, God took a tumor out of my body supernaturally by a supernatural healing and got a hold of me and I realized that he was real and I gave my life to Christ from that moment on. Do you think that she will ever, 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 regardless of what argument is given to her? Do you think she'll ever say God's not real? No, because her her faith in God is not founded on an argument of man, but it is founded on the power of God. Hallelujah. Now, whether it's a miracle like that or whether it's revelation, you, you know, nobody could ever convince Paul that Jesus wasn't real because on the road to Damascus, Uh, Jesus appeared to Paul. Paul knew Jesus. He met Jesus. He, He talked with Jesus. He walked with Jesus. Somebody smarter than Paul that came up to him and said, I want to tell you the seven reasons why Jesus isn't real. It doesn't matter what they said because Paul's faith was not founded on intellect. Paul's faith was founded on the supernatural power of God that he's able to take me off of the road that I was on and onto the road that he wanted me to go down. The power of God. I was going one direction this way, but God interrupted my life with his power, and now I'm going this direction. Hallelujah. And when that's your testimony, nobody can take it away from you. Oh, thank you, Father. And so we as a church, you know why they prayed in Acts chapter 4? Stretch forth your hand in signs and wonders. Do you know why Jesus said in Mark chapter 16, these signs shall follow them that believe? It isn't for us. It's for the confirmation of the preaching of the cross. The cross is preached. People come to Christ and miracles break out. And the foundation of people's faith is not the intellect espoused from a pulpit, but the foundation of their faith is genuine. It is the power of God being released into their lives. Oh, come on. Praise the Lord. Woo! These are marvelous things that God has done. I don't want you to believe Christianity, because of the smartness of your pastor, 
It will not go that far. I want you to believe your Christianity because you've met Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior personally. You know him. You know him. Many of you know that I have a prodigal son that's not living for the Lord right now, but one of the last things he spoke to me before he cut off communication was this. Dad, I can never deny that God is real. I have seen too much. He knows that God is real. He's seen the power of God. It's not all the church services that have done that. It's not, the, it's not just devotions that have done that in our family. It's not any of those things. It is that he personally encountered the presence of God. He watched God heal people. He watched it. In fact, uh, he, he used to, he and his friend, he used to go around the altars that people were coming up as a, a seven, eight, nine-year-old boy, and he would lay hands on people and see them healed. You can't undo that. It is the power of God being released. Power of God. Paul didn't want their faith to rest on his human teaching. He preached Christ crucified. And I want to tell you this morning that there is a man named Jesus, hallelujah, that was sent by God. He became, he became a man before he was a man. He was the Son of God, the eternal Son of God in the past. And he became a man, was born of a virgin, lived this life the same as you and I, except he lived it sinless, and he went to the cross he died an unjust death on a cross to pay the price for your sin and my sin. Hallelujah. And on the third day, he came out of the grave and he is alive right now. Hallelujah. Now, by his spirit, he sent his spirit and by his spirit, he dwells within each believer. He lives inside of me, and he lives inside of you, and that's a mystery, Paul said. It's the, it's the hope of glory. He lives inside of me by his Spirit. But physically, we, we just read it at breakfast tables in Ephesians chapter 1 and Ephesians chapter 2. Physically, Jesus is not on the earth right now. Physically, Jesus is at the right hand of the Father, and he is seated on a throne. The, the real Jesus with the real eternal body is seated there. And all things, Ephesians chapter 1 says, has been placed under his feet, far above all principality and power, all dominion and darkness and rulers of this world. It has all been placed under his feet. This is the Jesus that we serve. He's seated in the heavenly places. Hallelujah. This is Jesus. Every problem that you have is under his feet. Every issue that you're carrying is under his feet. And I like Ephesians chapter 2 that we also talked about today at breakfast tables. That in the spirit realm, now in the, in, see in the natural, you and I are here. 
Jesus is there. We are here. You're seated in a chair on the floor, on the stairs. But in the spirit realm, you and I are also seated with Christ in the heavenly places. Read Ephesians chapter 2, verse 6. You'll see it right there. I'm seated in the heavenly places with Christ. And if all things are under his feet, and I'm seated next to him, then all things are under my feet too. Not because I'm anything, but because I'm washed in the blood of Jesus. I'm forgiven and free. I'm filled with his spirit. I'm walking with him and in the spirit realm because of his goodness and his mercy and his kindness. It's all under my feet too. And that, friend, is the good news of the gospel. Jesus, we exalt your name today. Okay, that's the long part of my message. Now let me give you the short part. What has God done? What has God done? He's made himself available to us. He's made himself available to us with his message. He's made himself available to us by his wisdom. And he's made himself available to us by his power. Those three things. I feel the Lord in this room right now. His message. And I just preached the message of the gospel. He came. He died. He raised again. And he is seated at the right hand of the Father. And those that believe in his name enter in. Friends, it's simple. It is so simple, a child can grasp it. A child understands, I've done things that are wrong. A child understands, I need forgiveness for those things. A child understands, oh, the perfect one, Jesus, the Savior, he died on the cross so that I could be forgiven. A child understands, if I come before him and I give him that that, uh, which he paid for, He'll cleanse my heart. And my heart that was black can be made white. Hallelujah. Oh, isn't that good? My heart that was darkened with sin can be made pure and holy. Glory to God. It's simple. He's given us the message. That's the message of the gospel. Do you know how much power is in it? It's so simple. But there is power in that message to save and to deliver and heal. Oh, thank you, Father. He's given us his message. He's given us his wisdom. We are watching right now the wisdom of the world descend into something I never thought it would ever descend to before. We are watching it decay. We are watching the wisdom of this world turn on itself. We, uh, uh, here, here's an example. It's just crazy. And it, uh, the Los Angeles Dodgers, 
in the wisdom of the world, trying to gain the heart of the world by hiring uh, the, the, the sisters. What, what were they? The sisters of what? I can't remember. It was some carnal thing. The sisters of perpetual indulgence. That's what they called themselves. The, the drag queen. That, that, that weren't just ordinary drag queens, but that, that mocked Mary and mocked Jesus. And they hired them for their day of celebration in June. Well, then the religious community rose up against that. They had crossed the line of toleration. We'll let you have your pride day, but this... This is an open mockery of the cross. And they rose up and they said, we're not coming to the game that day. And so the Dodgers said, okay, we'll fire the sisters of perpetual indulgence. And so they did. They called them up and they said, sorry, I know we've invited you, but we are uninviting you. Well, in the wisdom of the world, they decided to cater to the right. Well, what do you think that did to the people on the left? They rose up and they said, if you, if you do this thing, we will forever abandon you. And so the, the Dodgers were stuck faltering in their own wisdom. This is just wisdom on a human level, trying to, trying to create business. And so they waited all out, and they said, well, we hired them in the beginning. We're going to hire them again. And they, and they hired them again, and they brought them before the, the, the crowd. They, the, the, the baseball stadium was practically empty that day. And we say, I say thank God for that. But you see, the wisdom of the world is getting crazy, friends. When in the wisdom of the world, we take our children and we, we mutilate their organs in the name of health care, that doesn't even make sense to the world. It is caving in on itself. This is where the wisdom of the world will take you. The destruction of your own children. Taking the, your most precious commodity that you have, your offspring, and giving them over. Making eunuchs out of your children. The wisdom of the world And then they, they call it good. And God grieves. And God ponders and watches. How long will it be till he stands up? How long will it be until he 
pours judgment out for it. How long will it be till he holds this nation accountable for what it has done? And some people would say things like, well, this is a political issue, Pastor. You shouldn't get involved in this. No, it's not a political issue. It's a spiritual issue. It's a spiritual issue. And Christians have to proclaim truth. Christians have to say right now, Christians need, and and they they need not do it in just anger, and they need not do it in just striving, but they need to say true things right now. Christians need to say things that are true right now. Because the wisdom of the world is caving in on our nation. I believe that Christians, okay, I'm not going to chase that rabbit. God has given us his wisdom. He's, He's poured his wisdom into our hearts. We have the mind of Christ. We have the word of God. We have the testimony of the gospel. The message of the gospel. And and friends, we have got to be people that give it out. Amen? And then the third thing he's given us is his power. Let me just read to you some scriptures. 1 Corinthians 4.20. For the kingdom of God is not in word only, but in power. Thank you, Lord. Romans 1.16. I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation, first for everyone who believes, first for the Jew and then for the Gentile. Romans 15, I love this passage. Therefore I have reason to glory in Christ Jesus in the things which pertain to God. For I will not speak of those things which Christ has not accomplished through me, but I will... I will speak of those things that he has in word and deed to bring to the Gentiles in mighty signs and wonders by the power of the Spirit of God so that from Jerusalem and roundabout to Illyricum, I have fully preached the gospel of Christ. Hallelujah. Paul did not consider it the the gospel to have been preached unless it was accompanied by signs and wonders. Hallelujah. Friend, you are a sign and a wonder. Amen? Your life is a sign and a wonder. Many of you should not be here. Many of your marriages should not be intact. Many of your relationships should not be intact. But God came and he saved you and he, and he healed you and he restored you. You are a living miracle. Amen? Signs and wonders, signs and wonders in this house. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Psalm 145 says, all your works shall praise you, O Lord. All your saints shall bless you. They shall speak of the glory of your kingdom and talk about your power. To make known to the sons of men his mighty acts 
and the glorious majesty of his kingdom. Thank you, Jesus. So what are the action points this morning? Number one, be a bragger. But be a bragger about Jesus and what he has done, not about yourself. What are we talking about here, boasting in the Lord? We're talking about being a witness for Christ. We're talking about bearing the testimony of of God every single day. Think about your life for a moment. How many times in the last year, 365 days, have you shared the message of the gospel? Have I shared the message of the gospel, not within the four walls of the church, but with people that don't know him? Jesus, we need your help to become braggers about what God has done. Can I tell you what God has done in my life? Can I tell you how good God is? Can I tell you what the Lord did for me? Can I share with you the testimony that came forth in our church the other day? You need to hear this because it will encourage your heart. It It will be awesome when we begin to brag about Jesus a little bit more. We're quick to brag about our sports teams, those of you that are sports fans. I do it readily. I was doing it yesterday as we were giving out uh, uh, pork chops. I was, you know, it's a first level connection point, and so it kind of opens up conversation. But we brag about this and we brag about that. We've got to learn to brag about Jesus. Amen? Brag about him. Number two, get, uh, we've got to get off the ladder of human wisdom, human positioning, uh, human pride. Guy on the bench, sat on the bench the whole year, practiced every day, and finally got in a game and was given the ball. I watched this happen one time and was so delirious that he finally got the ball in a game that he lost his mind, dribbled the wrong direction, and scored a basket for the wrong team. You did that? Freshman in high school, you did that. Talk to Gary about this after the service. You have the right uniform on, but you're playing for the wrong team. And sometimes that's the way we are in our Christianity. We're too concerned about status. We're too concerned about what, what, what group of people am I known by? What is my reputation out there in the world? You've got your Christian jersey on, but you're living by the principles of the world. You're living by human wisdom. And we've got to get off of that ladder, amen? We've not only got to wear the right uh, uniform, but we've got to play for the right team. Amen? If you're still striving for status, uh, if, if you're still driven by a pursuit of wealth or power, 
if you're, you're concerned about who is in your circle of friends, if money is your aim, I'm not telling you that you don't have the right jersey on, but I'm telling you these are principles that the other team plays by. And we've got to start playing the right for the right team. Get off of that ladder. And thirdly, lift up your eyes to Jesus. I say that a lot. Get your eyes on him. Amen? Get your eyes on him. Let's pray right now. Just bow your head before the Lord. Lord, I've done my best to preach you. Jesus as Lord. Jesus, you are Lord in this place. You are Lord in this city. You are Lord in our homes. You are Lord in our neighborhoods. You are Lord in this state, the state of Illinois. You are Lord over our nation. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. For you founded it. God, I ask in Jesus' name, I ask in Jesus' name that by your spirit that you'd have your way right now in our hearts. I pray that you'd be exalted in Jesus' name. If you've been having trouble right now, lifting your eyes up above your situation, but this morning you're saying, I'm lifting my eyes above my situation and I'm placing them on Jesus. He is able to save, deliver, and heal. He is able to lead me. If that's you, just lift your hand up right now. I've been having trouble, but I am putting my eyes on Jesus. There's hands up all over this sanctuary right now in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Come on, just just, uh, right now, just repent of that right where you are. Just say, Jesus, forgive me because I've had my eyes on the wrong thing. I put my eyes on Jesus now in your name. Hallelujah, hallelujah. You're seated at the right hand of the Father. By your spirit, you live in me. And by your spirit, I am seated with you. Hallelujah. And I thank you, Father. I thank you, Father. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. I thank you, Lord, that you're bigger than everything that I'm walking through. I thank you, Jesus, that you're moving mightily in my life. God, even when I'm tempted to complain and and say, let let, let the wrong things come out of my mouth, God, I repent of that. And Lord, I, I just ask in Jesus' name that you'd help me fasten my eyes on Jesus. Fasten my eyes on Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord.